welcome to this week's episode of Not So Super Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Curley, joined by my co-host... Brennan Kahn. Hey, what's going on? How are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. And uh, and we're here back with episode three. So this episode is going to be about Punk Rock Jesus, as promised in the first Not So Super episode, but... We took a little detour and we did a holiday comic that was just in time to be late for the holidays. So that was Jingle Bell Gift Wrap, uh, the complete collection of uh, Jingle Be- Paul Dini's Jingle Bell comics. Now we're going to get back on track and we're going to deliver on the promise that we made in the first episode and we're going to talk about Punk Rock Jesus. Punk Rock Jesus, here we go. I just finished it up today. I'm uh, pretty excited to talk about it because I first started it about two years ago when he first suggested it and uh, just kind of put it on a shelf for a long time but I'm super glad that I finished it and we can talk about it today uh, yeah it's your it's it's Matt's choice so this was Matt's pick um, so you want to talk about a little bit why you picked it sure so uh, my history with this book is when I was a senior in college uh, so this is going back to 2012 uh, I made a short film. Well, actually, it's not really a film. It was a short movie. I I hate the term film simply because film is a medium, and I didn't film it on film. Like, I didn't create this movie on film. And so, like, to me, it seems like a lie. It's like when people – it's like when people used to, you know, when I started getting into music, people would be like – Oh, what you're listening to isn't an album. An album <laughs> is a is you know a record. I'm like, no, a record is vinyl. <clears throat> a record is vinyl. Uh, vinyl is the what you put on a turntable. A record, or, or I'm sorry, or an album is is a collection of songs. That's an album. Right, right. You know, and so the, my you know that bugged me, and then the whole film thing bugged me, especially because I went to film school, of course. So I was surrounded by pretentious. Uh, film school kids who would be like, "Oh, this isn't a movie. This is a film," and I'm like, "Oh, fuck you!" It is used assholes. that way. It is used like um, it, it term of semantics of like a quality movie, like something right. that isn't like a block, like a commercial blockbustery movie, just sort of cranked out. Yeah, and and it creates this this hierarch- hierarchical. Like, oh, well, this movie means more than this other movie because this is a film and that's just a movie. And I'm like, listen, the only person who can say his movies are films is Christopher Nolan, and that's because that guy still films on film. Uh, Good point. You know, besides that, everybody else mostly films on digital, and and so to me, they're, they're all movies. So, so, but that's just so this movie that you made. So yeah, is right. so Punk that, Rock that's Jesus just, related or? <laughs> Well, that, so that's just my personal crusade. But getting back to it, in 2012, I was um, making a short documentary, kind of day in the life of this comic book shop owner named Ron Killian, uh, who owned this comic book store since, like, I think the 70s it was, um, called The Turning Page in Milwaukee. And it was this awesome store. Right, I remember um, that. And, and, like, it was just... It was clearly it had been there for a very long time. There were stacks of stuff everywhere. Like there were so many just hidden gems throughout it. Um, it was like organized chaos. It was kind one of those of. comic book stores. 
Yeah, like it was one of those old comic book stores that had been there for 40 years, 40, 50 years almost, and just had everything. It was awesome. Toys, games, comics. It, it, it was incredible. And so, you know, it, I, I knew I had to film in there, and I got to know the owner a little bit. And then I thought his story was interesting, and so I kind of made it like just a snapshot day in the life with um, with a brief interview and stuff. It's only like a couple minutes long. It's not, you know, it, as most student uh, movies tend to be. It's only a couple minutes long. But um, but while I was there one day, you know, of course, I, would, I was buying comics. Uh, at that point, I was still buying comics in print. I was still very anti-digital comic at that point. <laughs> Interesting. Back in because you own literally hundreds if not thousands of digital comics at this point in your uh, life. Right. As, as stated in the last podcast, I own over a thousand <laughs> digital comics. Um, and there's a, there's a very specific reason for that. So one thing is that I'm at heart a collector. And oh, yeah, for sure. Being a collector... You know, it's good and it's bad. One, it's good because you get really excited about certain things, and I don't know, it adds this fun to your life that I feel like non collectors don't really understand. But because I'm definitely the, not a collector, so could you like explain like how we're different in that way? Uh, well, that, I know you get like a certain excitement with like the the visceral nature, like owning a tactile thing as well as like owning it digitally <clears throat> and all that. Well, so like as far as collecting, I mean, owning things digitally doesn't as a collector doesn't really mean as much to me because it's not a real tangible thing um you know my collections of stuff ranges from dvds to comic books um you know just just to some video games um both classic and contemporary um i have a lot of statues um but but i'm slowing down a lot just because i don't have room anymore oh i also have a couple animation cells from the back to the future cartoon nice yeah, we're yeah. very we're very different in that way because I uh, I used to like really love my PS one games that you know were, were pretty rare um, the the graphic novels that I had and the books that I had that were super rare like art art of books uh, which I still have a pretty large like very non minimalist book collection to today but um, uh, I've adopted more of like a, min- a minimalist viewpoint of like things that I own and carry around with me just because I I tend to move around from state to state. Uh, a well, lot recently, so we're different <laughs> in that way. Yeah, and and I am the exact opposite. Uh, I like all my shit. I like having right, a lot right. of stuff, and so, um, and, and yeah, and and the art book thing. I have a lot of art books as well. My my most recent um, acquired art book, which I was very excited for, was the the two book Ralph McQuarrie complete collection. From Star Wars, his work which on Star Wars. Which sounds lovely, yeah. Which, I mean, uh, I would love to turn through. <laughs> the, the thing is, like, it's like 25 pounds. Yeah, like th- sounds these awesome. books. <clears throat> and they're these beautiful, huge um, scans of his original artwork. Um, Ooh, they're new scans. Good. It's incredible. There's, like, stuff. And it's, it's crazy to see, t- to get off on a little bit of a tangent, it's crazy to see what he uh, drew and what he created and what's still being used right. in Star Wars today. Right. So, yeah. quick spoiler, in Rogue One, there is a shot of Darth Vader's castle. Right, and it's on, yes. And, and it's on a volcano planet. Yeah, I read um, this. That is a Ralph McQuarrie drawing. Yes. Like, All that fleshed idea, out, yeah. 
originally, right. yeah. Came from Ralph McQuarrie. And so, you know, before there was Mustafar, mm-hmm. before it had a name, like, Ralph McQuarrie had this drawing volcanic of, of Darth Vader's castle on, on, a, on a volcanic planet. And that was used. Um, it was another... so beautiful and so good and cinematic, and you could feel it. Oh, man. And, and remembering, epi- not to make this a Star Wars podcast, but remembering episode three <laughs> and them having that lightsaber battle on Mustafar, uh, and then just revisiting it in Rogue One was so gorgeous. Um, yeah. I love that yeah. moment. Yeah. Very morbid, too, that he would have. He would, yeah, you know, he's just like masochistic enough to just make that his lair. Yeah, yeah, live it out. The pain and rem- like in channeling all that into his uh, uh, his, his dark side, his darkness. Yeah, angsty, um, angsty, angsty Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that he sure, Christensen. Sh- sure as hell wasn't going to put it on like a planet with sand. We know right. that. Yeah, dude hates sand. Right? It gets everywhere. Unreasonable. Can you imagine when sand. you're mostly robot? Like how annoying <laughs> that's got to get. That's a really good point. I mean, he did have a robotic hand when he said that line, so. That makes sense. Uh, that makes no. sense now. No, yeah, he did, right? Before. Oh, it wasn't until the end. Okay, got it. It yeah, was, it was, the, end was he got the, it. the end of that movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, and then the other, one of the other couple things that Ralph McQuarrie drawings that are in modern day Star Wars stuff is uh, Star Wars Rebels, the character of Zeb, the purple, um, oh, I forget what right, his race yeah. is, but, but that was based on an original drawing for Chewbacca. Oh yeah, and, yeah. The nose, like like all of that, and the fur. Yeah, yeah. very and then, very similar. And then, um, and then from Star Wars Episode Seven, um, Jakku, the outpost, was originally drawn for Tatooine, and I, I can't remember what town it was, but it but that drawing was uh, originally created as like a Tatooine outpost or something, uh, and then they used it for. So it's it, it's just cool seeing a lot of this stuff like created in the 70s and is being still brought back like he, this guy still has an influence on star wars today and is yeah, like it's you know the, the father of the look of star wars which is great yeah that would be that would be so intense to have that much creative control over all of the star wars stuff so so bringing it back to like collecting and, and, and the comic book store so what led you to uh, punk rock jesus so i was i was filming one day and and uh, you know um uh and all of a sudden, I'm looking through the comics that came out that week, because uh, comics come out on Wednesday, new comics. And I saw this cover for Punk Rock Jesus, and it immediately, like, I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> the cover is so fantastic. Yeah, stands out. This looks awesome. I need to have this. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, punk music. I'm a big fan of kind of, like, the punk mentality. Like, yeah. I would never say I was punk besides oh i would attitude. i would say you were punk uh, but like like i was never like i was more of officially like Ra- anarchist ramones, yeah ramones punk right right where they were just had long hair and you weren't and officially jeans. anarchist I, and right i wasn't anti-government I wasn't, I wasn't sex pistols punk um i wouldn't say it wasn't anti-government because i'm still pretty anti-government well, at this especially point <laughs> at this point but that's I mean that's, that's reasonable. That's a whole different. That's a whole <laughs> different story. We don't need to get into it either way. Yeah, the cover Punk Rock Jesus um is fantastic. And even yeah. even the, as you flip through it, I mean, which I'm sure you did that day when you first saw it. There's definitely like a punk rock nature to the the imagery, the black and white, the grittiness. Um in in some pages there's this like black Sharpie marker that's just very punk rock and uh 
uh, I mean, even this podcast in some regards is, is punk rock because we're into like the indie punk rock ethic of do it yourself, the DIY uh, yeah. creators, which is brings us to Sean Murphy, who is uh, both the writer and artist of this, uh, sole creator of this property, Punk Rock Jesus. Yeah, so um, this, you know, the title of Punk Rock, or, uh, oh, let me go back real quick before we start. Um, and I just want to say the reason, because I never finished that story, the reason I buy digital now as opposed to paper. Um, the reason I buy digital is because as a collector, I don't want any of my things to get ruined. And so because of that, uh, I buy digital to avoid the, all of my things getting ruined. So I can take things places and I can read them on the train. Right, and I can right. read them. It, it, so that's interesting because in that way it like feeds your collective nature. It's like, no, I want to preserve these things. I don't want them to get torn. And I don't, I don't want the, like, the little nicks on the side of the pages. I don't want yeah. all that. Yeah, that, and that so, inevitably happens when you stuff it in a book bag or you, you right. bring it out. Of and the so train. that's and that's why I stopped buying paper comics. So, but anyway, so getting into this, this was still when I was buying paper comics, and uh, and I bought all six of these issues, um, and 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 I, and I loved them, and then I bought them uh, digitally as a trade twice because originally it wasn't on Comicsology, it was on like the Nook. Or something. It oh was boy! Like, I, it was on like the Barnes and Noble app, the Nook. So I bought it on the Nook, and then I bought it, I think, on uh, Comicsology when I when I found it there. Um, this book was put out by Vertigo, which is an imprint of DC. It's kind of more of their adult stuff, which um, has, you know, Vertigo has really uh, grown smaller over the years because the nature of the industry has grown up. And comics have become a lot more serious. Comics have become a lot more adult. Um, the comics code, which was enforced for a very long time, is really not used anymore. So those regulations of what can and cannot be in a comic are kind of gone now um, from mainstream comics. And so with that, Vertigo isn't needed as much as it was at like – you know, in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, that paradigm has kind of shifted in a way already. Yeah, so so now kind of what Vertigo does for DC is it puts out, like, these creator-owned books a lot um, and, and a little bit more crazy titles. Like, like now the adult titles are even more adult. Um, like, they're more hardcore in, in their stuff sometimes. What else does Vertigo uh, put out that's super adult? I don't... Uh, um, I, I mean, I haven't... Ca- you know, it's been... You know, as what happens with a lot of comic book fans, uh, I come in and I go out mm-hmm. a lot. And right now, I'm in a down period of actually reading comics. Um, so you're not I consuming really... nearly as many comics right now. No, at one point I was buying about fifty dollars worth of comics a week. Um, now I would say I'm buying none. I, like, well, I, and we're sometimes... getting more into like an indie deep, yeah. uh, standpoint or review yeah, of comics with this. So, so anyways, getting back to Punk Rock Jesus. Um, so I found this in a comic book store uh, while I was filming. I picked it up, and I immediately loved it. I loved the energy. I loved the art style. I loved the grittiness of it. Uh, I thought it was extremely interesting, um, and it seemed extremely relevant, uh, especially to me at that time. Uh, and even still now, it does. Really interesting. Um, relevant yeah, relevant just... to you because, like, there are obvious themes of like questioning. I mean, this is a pretty heavy book. Like this, as far as li- religion and like established religion. Uh, yeah. So well, to give a yeah. to 
to give a little bit of a background, you know, I was raised Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic school for seven years. And then I went to public school uh, after that for, like, high school and stuff. And so to me, you know, being raised Catholic, there was a lot of things that I was told that, like, I, I didn't necessarily – that at the time I didn't know wasn't true. And then later on found out it was true and felt very betrayed and also lied to. A little. Yeah, like, what the hell? Like, uh, Yeah, I was like told I this was, as a child. Right, like, as a, like as a kid I was told that – um, like that myth that there that there's a chemical in a woman's body to stop her from getting pregnant if she's raped that was taught to me in school. Whoa, um, you just blew my mind. I did not know that was a a, it, a Catholic a, thing. I don't know if it's a Catholic thing. It was just that religion that te- thing. It was that teacher. Oh, you know? or that not, teacher thing. Okay. Right. Like, like I don't think it was the school. For sure, I don't think it was a school. I think it was just that specific teacher. You know, like like you have that. You have teachers that go rogue sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Off road. So I think <laughs> I think it was just that teacher. But like she told us wow. this, um, and and I was just like, I, like and I believed it, of course. Yeah. I'm like a teacher's telling me this. Yeah. I believed it for a couple of years, and then I took a biology class. Was it I was a like, nun? That doesn't make any sense. No, I didn't, it wasn't one of those Catholic schools. It wasn't an old school Catholic school, but like I had to wear uniforms and stuff. But I mean, besides the point, it was one of those things where like we went to church every Tuesday, I think it was. Yeah. And and we so we had mass every Tuesday, and then I had to go, uh, and then I had to go to church every Sunday with my family. Uh, a lot of church. Which, which I so I went to church essentially twice a week, for I would say. I don't know, almost almost ten years. Yeah, we're very similar in that way. That like two times a week at least church. Be, and, right. and for you know a fair amount of grade school and a little in like mm, two grades of high school, I was private school as well. Very different. I mean, like it's it was Baptist, what's considered Baptist Christian. Uh, but but was yeah, it, was it Southern Baptist or just Baptist Baptist? I mean, I would call it Southern Baptist. Yeah, it's the full deal. It's the okay. It's all that. Yeah. But it's but it wasn't like the like the fun Baptists you see where like they're singing and dancing. No, it wasn't like that. There was some. I mean, like there was singing and dancing. Yeah, yeah. Like sure. Like like the, like like everybody's clapping and everybody's having. Is a that good like time Pentecostal? Like that? Would you call that Pentecostal? Like the 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 snake handling dancing. Uh, well, that's different. Tongues now, that's talking. A- that's a whole different other thing. Uh, no, there was no there dancing. We were like way too conservative for that. The churches okay. that I was at, but uh, but yeah, okay. there was the singing going on, the clapping, the clapping. It's one of those things where like so religion was a very big part of my life uh, for the first part of my life, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it was and I'm I'm very thankful for that just because uh, it really gave me a look into it and an understanding of it. Like there's a lot of things I understand about christianity and about uh catholicism specifically um that like just just being interested in history really helps you know what i mean because yeah especially christianity has so much to do with a lot that happened in history like when you look at the crusades when you look at the knights templar (laughs) when you look at yeah yeah all of the crusades uh when you look at all of that stuff like you know and, and it's just very interesting, and, and being able to have that perspective, uh, you know, I, I'm glad. Uh, I would say I'm, I, I would still say I have a, some some faith, uh, but not necessarily the strict uh, Catholicism. 
yeah, because that's, that's very, from what I know of it, I'm not Catholic. Never been Catholic, never was raised Catholic, or really hardly ever introduced. I was in a Catholic wedding not too long ago. I couldn't take the, the what is it, the Eucharist? Right. Uh, yep. Yeah, I couldn't take that because I'm not, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> I'm not holy uh, enough to experience uh, that. It's, confirmation? That. Yeah, confirmation. C- communion. Communion first is. Com- you, it's first communion. Confirmation is is what you do when you're 13. Yeah, I didn't go through that, uh, so I couldn't take right. the. I wasn't officially Catholic, anyways. Right, it's a Catholic thing. So essentially, the first so communion is, and it's something you do like when you're around the age of six or seven. Um, it's it's when uh, in a Catholic church where you you go up to the front of the church and you receive a little piece of it's like bread without any. Um, Without any flour in, or yeast, it, it's bread without any yeast in it. So it's just like a little flat cracker, kind of uh, flavorless cracker, and it's supposed to represent the body of Christ. Yeah, so, can, um, Baptists have a similar. I mean, they have a similar communion, but I think it's like it's toned, it's dialed down a few notches, right? As far as like how strict it is. So when you're saying that you're not super strict Catholic, but you do like kind of, you still align with a lot of Catholic ideals. Um, I mean, like morally, sure, you know, like, but but those are just basic morals that you find in every religion. Um, I, it's it's one of those things where I, I have my problems with the Catholic Church. I, you know, I love this new pope. Uh, new pope is great. He's way better than Pope Palpatine that we just had. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's disrespectful. It was Pope Benedict, uh, who 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 was a former Nazi. Who was- y- Nazi youth. A, a, yeah, wow, youth. I didn't know that. But a yeah, Palpatine double, double ganger, nonetheless. Yeah. So, 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 new pope is great. I love new pope. I think he's doing some amazing things. Um, Francis, right? Isn't that the guy? Uh, the something. Think, yeah. <laughs> some number. Um, yeah, he's a cool guy. He's. I mean, he's doing. To me, he represents everything that Catholicism should be. He's accepting. He's loving. He's saying like the right message it's like jesus right i mean like ideally like it's kind of more the ideal that and that's the thing is that like i don't know i feel like this idea of of jesus gets like twisted and torn and like you have people like the westboro baptist church oh man who don't get me started who like have like the signs uh, that like God hates fags and like, oh and, my like, God. And, like protests yeah, evil all these things Westboro it's Baptist like, Church like it's totally aligns with like evil and like hate right and like I mean like, it, it, it's one of those oh, things God. where like you know like, so you bad that movie, they're so bad you ever see that movie Dogma yeah of course man Kevin Smith yeah it's I mean it's a Kevin Smith it stars um it, it stars Jane Silent Bob his his character his his you know, iconic characters. Uh, and then it's got Chris Rock in it, Alan Rickman. Um, I love Chris Rock in that, yeah. And Alan Rickman. And, and, like, there's so many good lines in that movie that, like, I, that align with my sensibilities. Um, Kevin Smith was, of course, also raised Catholic. So he, you know, it, there's a lot of the same sensibilities there. Uh, and that movie, I think, summarizes a lot of the way I feel about Catholicism. In Christianity in general, is that like people have taken a good idea and turned it into something else? You know, yeah. like I'm like, like, like the the idea of loving everybody, being kind to everybody, accepting everybody, even for their flaws, and and just trying to be a good person. 
like is the basis of everything. The rest is just kind of you know conjunction. Yeah, or yeah. Not, not conjunction, but the rest is kind of just superfluous. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that 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 lines up pretty well with punk rock Jesus. Um, uh, besides the fact that I don't think Kevin Smith is atheist, but his sort of like he's non-practicing Catholic. Yeah, he so says. he's sort of like in dogma. I think he's dealing with a lot of that, like the maybe some lies he believed he was told, or like some dogma that he believed and was taught as a child or as a youth. And he's sort of like just kind of explaining that through the art of uh, dogma in that movie, right? And so, and and so this, you know, punk rock Jesus, I think, is also Sean Murphy uh, really delving into a lot of that stuff. And, and a lot of the stuff that he feels and, and kind of about Christianity. Like, there's definitely a lot in here um, about Christianity. So, I mean, I guess I guess let's, let's dive in. You know, it's a six-issue miniseries. Uh, we're not going to go through it page by page or anything like that. We're going to kind of just talk about these – the story real quick. Um, and then I guess – and then I guess we'll just discuss it. So uh, essentially the story starts with – They've found the the shroud. I can't remember. Uh, this is a real thing. The shroud. Yeah, I allegedly, right? It's a it's a well. The shroud is real. Confirmed I, that it's de- it is blood, right? Well, right. explain what it is to begin with, I guess. So there's well, there's the shroud that was said to have been worn by Jesus. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's in the book, but th- they were able to get it says um, DNA from the shroud. And it's enough viable DNA where they can uh, they can clone Jesus, and so they're going to do this. And of course, they're calling it J two, the second coming, reality TV style. And they make it a reality TV <laughs> show because, of course, what are you going to do if you can clone Jesus? You're going to make it You're a reality TV the show. Thing. Yeah, right. Put some ads around it. Put it and on TV. So, and so that's what they do. And so they select a a young eighteen year old uh, who to to be the, the the mother the new mother Mary essentially. The character's name is Gwen, uh, Gwen uh, Fairling. By the um, way, there are, are spoilers in this. If you're starting out with um, this episode of Not So Super, uh, we totally spoiler all over the place. That's uh, true. It's going to be a We're total review. We're talking about the whole thing. So. Um, so they and they get they get Gwen, uh, and they're gonna impregnate her with this DNA, um, and they're gonna you know they're gonna she's gonna give essentially immaculate conception because it will have not been through sex, um, which is I mean one like it's it's crazy to just think about like you know you know in Christianity. There is believed to gonna there will be a second coming, right? And so yeah. this, I mean, this kind of fulfills that as a second coming in a way, you know, like and it and so it's crazy to think about, like, yeah, okay, this could, you know, this could potentially happen if you were able to get a viable strand of DNA. This could happen. Yeah, and who's to say it isn't the actual second coming? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because it's like because if you believe in an all powerful God who has a plan. Who's to say this wouldn't be his plan? You know what I mean? It's it's all like it's all very up in the air. It's all very like you could argue it either way. That's very much where you start out here in this story is like uh, all these questions are very much in the up in the air. Like is it you know is this the second coming? You know in this universe like is this the second coming? And uh, there are obvious uh, 
religious groups speaking out in support and against oh yeah this yeah and 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 they have those those religious extremists in this book and I feel like this is definitely Sean Murphy like poking fun at those groups. Westboro Baptist Church, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the and those type of cult like uh, extremist groups. Yeah, which is which is nuts. Um, and so the other crazy thing too is, and I, I and I'm glad they touch upon this because this is something that I always, I always it bugs me. This this always bugs me is this picture of Jesus being white. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Totally. Like because not true. <laughs> one, Jesus was born in Israel, right? What is now modern day Israel? He was an Israel uh, Israelite, you know. He, Israelite. He was, he was a Jewish boy and man. Like that was yeah. how the and, historical figure. And all I'm it, saying is that I, I've been to Israel. Uh, it is hot there. There's it is a desert. That dude was at least <laughs> tan. I'm just saying, if he wasn't straight up, probably like, not blonde dark skin with blue eyes. Yeah, just genetically. That dude was tan, like real tan. I mean, he, that dude was, before he was crucified, was walking in the desert for 40 days without food. Yeah, that dude had a nice tan when he got crucified. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Um, like, like, I don't think that's sacrilegious to say that Jesus wasn't white. Like, this, this, this American idea of what Jesus looked like is, is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty absurd. Um, but it still persists, which is, which is wild. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with Santa Claus. Like Santa Claus, uh, I, I think I think the the saint that he's based off Saint Nicholas is from Turkey, so he yeah. most likely at, at that time, yeah, that, at that, at that point in time, from, yeah, he would have been black. Like just just based on who was ruling Turkey, yeah, uh, and all that stuff. So Santa is supposed to be black too. So like I'm just saying, like there's a lot of America kind of whitewashes history, which sure that's it's, that's a whole other thing, but. Uh, but so, you know, they talk about in here that they genetically modified the DNA to make him blonde hair, blue eyed. Uh, of course. And, and they also enhanced, I, through plastic surgery, Gwen to make her look more, uh, I, I guess, of the ideal of, uh, of beauty. So they talk about that they, she got breast implants. She's definitely drawn that way. Yeah, very suggestive and like. A curvy, like a like a very ideal figure. Yeah, and of they a blonde-haired talk, girl. And, and they talk about it in the in the comic that they 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 made her get you know breast implants and they made her you know, you know made her look a certain way, dye her hair, whatever. So, so uh, they you know so that's so that's also going on. Um, then there's also this other character, who is to me one of the most badass characters in. All of comic bookdom, uh, Thomas McHale. Yeah, this like this Punisher type figure, uh, uh, with the, littered with cross tattoos on his back, denoting right. the the deaths that he's inflicted on people. <laughs> yeah, and so there's this character. You know, he's just kind of like this very strong, stoic character, um, who uh, who is is the head of security for the J two project. His backstory, which is also explored in the comic, is that he's from Ireland. And his his father was in the IRA, the Irish the Irish Republic Army. Now, for those who don't know, so this is another reason I really love this book is because my family is Irish. So Curly is an Irish last name, uh, and it comes from Ireland. Uh, you can like look at the regions where that name originated. Uh, and your and, beard is red. And well, hey, listen, Ish. those those red Irish bastards. Your Eric the Red Beard. 
Um, <laughs> so, so essentially, I mean, like my family, my my grandfather's parents, uh, my grandfather's father came from Ireland, like straight off the boat. Um, and so, like you know, and and, and my grandmother's. You know, one of my grandmother's families also came from Ireland. They ran so. out of potatoes, so they came over. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I was always raised with you're you're Irish, you're Irish, you're Irish. Especially the area I'm from. I'm from like the Illinois, Wisconsin area, and everybody in the Illinois, Wisconsin area is German, Polish, and Irish. And so, you know, and it's a very American thing too to also because like if you're in any other country, like. You ask them, what are you? They're not going to be like, oh, well, my ancestors are from this, right, these lands, yeah. these lands. They're going to be like, oh, well, where are we? This is, you know. Yeah, you're in Ireland. I'm, I'm Irish. Yeah. I'm Irish, yeah. Or or Duh. we're in we're in Germany. I'm German. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's Duh. a very American thing to, to be like, oh, well, I'm Irish. It's like, no, I'm really I'm American. We're all American. We're all born in America. Yeah, I'm such a mutt that but, I couldn't even comment. <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. all this. Oh, you dirty, dirty non-purebred. <laughs> I mean, neither. I mean, nobody really is straight from anywhere anymore. Uh, globalization. But, but so, um, so I, you know, a lot of the themes in here, like the Irish stuff, uh, I was raised to love immediately, and so I do. Um, and like, be, like Catholic Catholicism. Oh is, yeah. Like, I, like I'm Irish Catholic. And yeah. You know, and so the story starts in Ireland, and uh, Thomas's father is part of the IRA. So the the Irish, um, I, uh, the IRA is the Irish Republic Army. So what that is, it's a terror. So it depends on who you ask. Um, like much of history, it all depends on who you ask. Like some people say Francis Drake was a pirate. Some say he was a hero. <laughs> Yeah, from the perspective of this book, which is like my very limited interaction or in, in knowledge of IRA, is that it is a terrorist organization. So exactly right. So on the on a global scale, it's seen as a terrorist organization um, that that fought against the British. Now, if you, I mean, I, I'm not speaking for, you know, hist- like I'm not saying that this is how all Irish people feel or whatever, but. Um, but the other perspective of it is is that they're fighting for the freedom of Ireland. So um, at one point, Ireland was completely ruled by the British. And then the British uh, – the, the, then the Irish revolted. There was a revolution. And the British left Ireland except for Northern Ireland. There's – I think it's like six six counties or territories or however Ireland is divided, um, whatever the term is. I think there's six that still belong to the British in Northern Ireland. And so the IRA fought to get them out of that part of Ireland to make it a united island, to make it a united Ireland. So that's what the 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 IRA fought for. Now, Interesting. Ta- I didn't know that. But their tactics, of course, can be seen as terroristic because, like, there was they would be bombings, there would be shootings, there would be gassings. But at the same time, it's and all apparently matter- deaths. Uh- Oh, oh, a in lot of book. deaths. Yeah. A, I mean, it just in history, there's a lot of deaths of, of British people in IRA attacks. Um, now, so that being said, uh, there there has been a ceasefire between the IRA and and the British since I, I think like the 90s. There hasn't been, I mean, to my knowledge. Interesting. Now, yeah. I'm not saying I'm a I'm, a, I'm an expert on the subject. Um, but but that's as far as I, what I know. It's a very important part of this, the backstory of this character and this inevitably this whole story. But right, so that's the that's what the IRA 
is in in reality. Um, on a side note, I have been to an IRA rally. No. <laughs> okay, but it but it's not like really? a real. It wasn't a real IRA. So is it like a tea party or rally? Like no, no, no. It was. I mean, it was essentially like a. There's 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 this thing in Milwaukee called Summerfest, which is a giant music festival, right? Right. Uh, that's in the middle of the summer. Then in August of you know the uh, of the summer, uh, there's also the second music festival called Irish Fest, which is an awesome good time. Uh, Probably a little but, bit little bit of drinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is Milwaukee, so there's a lot of drinking at all times. And, and an so Irish like, fest. And it's Irish fest, so you know, lots of green beer. Um, and there's all of these amazing, uh, like, bands and stages playing, uh, or um, bands playing on all these multiple stages at the same time and stuff. And I, I, my grandfather took me to this one. He's like, oh, I really love this guy. Let's go listen to this guy talking. And it was like a, like more of a folk, like an Irish folk singer. Um, and, and he's singing, and, his, and then I realized his song <laughs> is... is is about getting the British out of Ireland. And then I look around <laughs> and and there's like a booth Fantastic. like trying to like getting people to sign up for the IRA newsletter. <laughs> like an email. Like again, like at this like at, like this version of it when I was there, I think was more of an organization that was like, you know, let let's protest the it wasn't the same organization that's represented in this book and that <laughs> actually existed in Ireland. Right. Um, but it was no very guns. interesting, right? There was no well. It's Milwaukee, so I'm sure there yeah, were guns yeah. somewhere. But I think I had. I think we had to go through metal detector, so I think we were okay. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so so Thomas's father was part of the IRA, um, and and one night his family is being attacked. He hides, and then uh, and then you know, uh, his father tells him to. His father tells him, "Don't open the door, you know, unless you hear my voice." Uh, then, when the door starts to open, you know, and and then his father also says, "If someone opens the door, just shoot." And you know, then what happens is the door starts to open. Thomas fires. Turns out he killed his father. Uh, you know, which is heartbreaking. Like he's a, he's a little kid, and then his uncle is there, and his uncle says, "Oh, it was the British." Because uh, your father was an IRA member, right? So, come with me, and and I'll and I'll you know and and we'll make your father proud. Like I'll, yeah. I'll help you become make the your man. dad proud. Yeah, come with yeah. me. I'll train you. Yeah, and I'll make I'll make you who the man you're supposed to be. So yeah. that's kind of you know we get Thomas's story throughout this entire this entire six issues. So that's just the beginning of it, um, and that's his past. So his present though is that he's the head of security. For what's being called the J two project, Jesus two, the second um, coming reality second coming. TV show, and so you know that's kind of the beginning of this story, and then we see, you know, uh, Gwen is Gwen Gwen is have is about to have the baby. Uh, she has the baby. It's live broadcasted. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and and then they cut to a tape. With a CGI Gwen holding the baby and like and everything looks great, and then secretly, they the, a second baby is born. Right. Um, and and it's a result of the genetic tampering that they did. Uh, that uh, you know, 
the, all the alterations like just somehow and, and scientifically it's kind of like a it's, it's kind of like a MacGuffin you know like what's well, the it's like, the scientist it's not, right is it the scientist says it, but yeah. like she did, didn't she? Well, I'm kind of going to the end here, but didn't she meddle in it and like and create a twin? No, no, it was a, it was a. I don't, I don't believe so, unless I'm. Yeah, she totally did because end. I just finished it today, and she mentioned that um, she she mentioned that she created this twin sister, which identical twins aren't supposed to be the same sex, but she was able to adjust the the sex of it to female. Mm. Um, now, what I don't remember about the beginning, because it's been a minute. Now, you read the beginning more recently, and I read the end right. more recently. But whether it's on purpose or not. Yeah, I can't remember. But either way, either way, so there's a there's a second baby that um, that the head of the uh, the organization. What, what's his name? His name is Slate, right? Slate. Yeah. Slate. He 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 wants this baby. You know, he wants to get rid of this baby, so he takes this baby. Throws it off a cliff, thinking, "Okay, great." Oh my you god! Because right. Jesus doesn't have a twin, so you can't have J two have a twin. Right. Um, yeah, and a, a female twin. Yeah. It's... Right. So, uh, so, so that happens, and then, you know, everybody thinks that okay, the, the, the baby Jesus has been born again, you know, and then the story progresses and. Um, Gwen is kind of getting depressed. I mean, she was she was like I think supposed to be I think she's supposed to be like sixteen or eighteen. Yeah, you can imagine like the the social pressure and yeah, let alone being pregnant. Right, and 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 also like the pressure of like giving birth to the second Jesus. Uh, yeah, in her mind, at this point, she you know she believed to to be completely true. Right, that and this so, is the DNA of Christ. Yeah, heavy stuff, man. And so, like, she starts breaking down. She starts drinking. Slate is is like sneaking her alcohol. Yeah, wh- and she's what a crazy drinking and villain, man. And becoming like, and becoming like a bad mom, like a really bad mom. Truth be told, um, and all the while, uh, uh, you know, the Sarah, Sarah Epstein is the scientist who has made this possible. Who is also Jewish. I do like that they made her yes, Jewish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's working at, at the in parallel at the same time on like a global warming cure, right? And this and this right. algae she's working on in this the the J two complex, uh, which is not only the show, but it but it's the big complex that's built on an island that Slate built. Um, is this place that has that has so much like scientific advancement and technology where she can work in her lab on on other things, and I think that's sort of her M.O. in this whole book, is to work yeah. on that cure. And so, like, that's, that, well, that's her motivation. The reason she did J2 was that she needed the money and the funding to help create this algae that would help cure global warming. So that's why she's there, and that's why she's stuck there. Um, she's stuck, hardcore, You know, for like, a she while. Gets, she gets to leave the island every night, unlike Gwen and and Baby Jesus, who who <laughs> Baby Jesus's name is Chris. You know, they decided. Yeah, to name... I like that. That was a good touch. Right. Because it, uh, in my mind, is it, like if you if I was writing this, if you call him Jesus, it's going to get really annoying. Like if they're going to keep calling right. him Jesus throughout the whole thing, naming him Chris, like you know Christ, Chris. We get it. it that's enough of a nickname that it's fun. Right, and 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 it makes it. I don't know. Maybe a little less sacrilegious. I don't know. A little less on the nose. <laughs> yeah, and so and, and so you know, Sarah, Sarah, you know, 
a, a little bit in says that she's pregnant and that she has a daughter who's named Rebecca. And she starts bringing Rebecca to the island uh, with her for work. And then her and Chris become best friends, of course, um, because this is the only kid his age that Chris gets to interact with. Um, and all the while, Gwen is just becoming a like even more of a mess. Like, uh, really yeah. is like just losing her shit. Yeah, um, totally. And so just like, and so this is kind of it's just this six issues is the story of this of of this character Jesus. Um, and so later in the story, uh, you know, Gw- as Gwen keeps getting worse, she gets removed from the island. Uh, and then, and I believe and, this is all Slate's meddling, right? I mean, he's like he's meddling in her life to kind of manipulate he, things. He he manipulates her, trying to a. Um, he has no problem with her being a bad mother because it's you know it gets great ratings and people love to hate her. And and b he's also just trying to control everything. Like Slate is trying to. He's a control freak. Yeah. He's trying to play God in this whole scenario. Um. And so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, some of it has to do with the psychological issues that Gwen seems to have. Some of it, a lot of it has to do with Slate. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's intense. Uh, and so eventually Gwen gets kicked off the island. Uh, and Chris is, Chris is stuck on the island without his mother. Um, and then that's when Gwen tries to kill herself. Tries to jump off the top of a building, yeah. and then an angel stops her, and like throws her up against the world. And he he says like, "What kind of a fucking mother are you?" Like it's like this mm-hmm. intense moment. And then she right. wakes she wakes up as if it's a dream, but then sees like the the handprints of the angel on her yeah. shoulders. Yeah, so that's for like the reader to figure out. Definitely. Right. I mean, it seems very much like I don't know, like like a very uh miracle moment like these yeah. these moments that people say they had um yeah like nobody's gonna believe you but you have like some evidence of on your body and psychological right. evidence yeah so so then she teams up with these these groups that have been protesting the j2 the entire time uh and and like to try and break in and 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 liberate chris and get him off the island and as this is happening uh, like I, I, I remember just the, there's this page where, uh, where Gwen is running towards Chris and the door slam on her. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, that rushing page. her middle. Yes. Uh, and killing her in front Haunts of my him. nightmares. That page. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, just brutally getting crushed and it's, and it's illustrated in black and white. And it's like, we talked about before, it's sort of like messy punk rock, black and white, splatters and like in in brush strokes you know it's very beautiful a lot of one thing i will say about like the the art of this is there are several one like full pages that are completely gorgeous and beautiful ink and black and white brush strokes and messy splatters which totally fits in with the the grungy punk rockness that is this story Um, yeah and it's and it's great so then chris witnesses his mother's death which this sends him off the edge. Like, that's ma- now he's. Yeah. Now, at this point, you know, of course. It's a call to action, right? I mean, like, it's a, it's a character development. It's, it's. I mean, it is. I mean, it's the moment. It's, it's the, it's the moment that he's like, he's like, screw all of this. I'm, like, I'm done. So then he goes and he shaves his head. 
Uh, and then that's when he he becomes the punk rock Jesus. Uh, yeah. And he he comes out on stage like like because he's supposed to be doing like a personal appearance or something with Slate. And, uh, and it's live, and and, and he... it's live, <laughs> and he comes out with this giant like spiked mohawk, and, and he's like he's like what what's what, what's with the applause the applause stopping am I not the Jesus you wanted, you know and like and then he you know so he rebels, um, big time yeah yeah and, and he, it, it it's pointed out through this sort of like holodeck education that he's gone through with his with. Uh, uh, he, the other baby that was born, you know, his other only other um, uh, his friend Rebecca. Yeah, his friend Rebecca. At this point, so they go through this holodeck education, and you have the scientist who's pointing out all of these very um, controversial ideas of science. Right, he's pointing to like Carl Sagan, uh, Richard Dawkins. You know, the God delusion. You see these books on his shelf. Um, he's already he's already had this introduction of like well questioning and skepticism, and then all that builds up to this point where he's standing on stage on J two live, and now he's he shaved his head and he's he's like all right this is what I am now like I'm 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 the antithetical idea of like what you want me to be. It's right. kind of like it's, it's kind of how you feel when you're 15, right, or however old he right. is. It's like I want to challenge everything and like you know screw you man like. Screw everybody because I'm going to be who I want to be. I'm not going to be who my parents want me to be. I'm not going to be who society wants me to be. I don't even know if I agree with society. You know, this is who I am. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, I feel like it's it's this is a great metaphor for the thing that not only all like fifteen and sixteen year olds like teenagers go through, but also like I think this is what would happen to a person who their entire life is told that they have to be one thing, that they are one thing, and that that's just what you are. Yeah. And then they're like, well, what if I don't want to be that? Yeah, like, what if, man? Like, what if that's not me? You know? like... And so I think it just, it, it, it's the rebellion, that kind of spark that kind of lives somewhat within all of us. Now, obviously, it lives more within others, and or, or it comes out in different ways. Right, but, right. But, you know, the... It's great, and I think it also speaks a lot to the kind of the crisis of faith that a lot of people go through, especially when they're in their teens. Yeah, um, yeah, big like time. a lot of a lot of people kind of lose because when you're a kid, you believe anything you're told. You know, like right. when you're a kid, most kids, it, you know, like you tell them that God's in heaven, and yeah, sure, okay, he, all right, and he and he loves yeah. you. And he looks at you. He's watching you at all the time. Like you believe that stuff. You know, you believe in the tooth fairy. You believe in the Easter bunny. You believe in Santa Claus. You believe in everything. Sure. And then, like, you get to an age where you stop believing in everything. You know, and it's like I mean, it's represented in media in a number of ways. Like even if you look at movies like The Polar Express, where when you stop believing in Santa Claus, you can't hear the bell. When you look at. uh, what what is it? There's a movie and they and they say the age of not believing. I can't even remember what movie that is, but that's from a movie. I think it's a Disney movie. The Christmas um, movie, just like believing in Santa Claus. There's like an age of accountability or something associated yeah, with that. It's just one of those things where, and I feel like, like I remember when I was a kid, going to church, 
I believed in everything that they were telling us, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, totally. Like, up until a certain age, yeah. You just kind of soak it in. And then I got to a certain age, and then I was like, well, wait a minute. There's a lot of holes in this story. Yeah, what is it? this part doesn't line up, doesn't agree with this other part, so... Yeah, and Like, it's are also, you lying to me? Like, is the whole rest of it a lie? Like, yeah. Right, and it's like, it's not necessarily, like questioning that like okay well this if if, if none if, if if one part of this isn't true it can't all it, it all must be a lie like but it's but it's also just the questioning that i think everybody kind of goes through like very very few people i believe and and i guess like this is just people i know these are people i've talked to obviously there are other people who never have a crisis of faith or never yeah that must be nice never go through it <laughs> but like most people i know at some point question their religion because yeah, that's just yeah, when you start questioning totally. everything around you and I think it's good to question things I think when you don't question things is when things start getting dangerous it's when you start getting governments that um, that aren't held accountable because yeah, you, you start accept falling what for they it. said yeah. uh, I, I think that's when you start getting like religious oligar- um, al- oligarchies which are just controlled by religion um, which, which has I mean religion has been used in, throughout history by many yeah, different cultures it's a control cultures. mechanism Right, by many different cultures. If you look from the Mayans to the to the Incas, um, to I mean, like like especially in I think it's the Mayan religion, um, they built Chichen Itza, and the only person who was allowed to go to the top of Chichen Itza was the high priest, and the high priest like sure, ruled yeah. the day and like was like okay, well we like have to a kill god, this yeah. right. We have to kill the strongest warrior because because our gods told us to, and it's just you know like stuff like that. Yeah, like the it's blind control. blind faith uh, <laughs> issues. <laughs> you know, so like I think it is good to question things and question your world around you because it, it helps people think and grow. Um, and so that's what Chris is definitely going through. And so I, you know, it's just to interesting the extreme, because, yeah, yeah, because it's interesting because he's supposed to be Jesus. Yeah, and, and I love this novel idea of. Uh, uh, pairing the the punk rock attitude with the second coming, you know, right. it, it it makes you think a lot, and that's what I really love about this whole piece, this whole book, is it makes you think about what if, you know, uh, if if somebody was born that was the Messiah now, like yeah. what in the world would they think, you know, once they once they realize the weight of that, all of that, and what that means. Right. And and the other thing to also mention, too, is that in the Bible, Jesus goes from, like, the age of 12 or 13 or something like that to, like, 30. Yeah. You yeah. know? And, like, it, 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 it's, like, it's it's made fun of time and time again. And, like, it's talked about in, dog, like, Kevin Smith's Dogma. It's talked about, like, in, in a lot of things that, like, where what happens in that middle Yeah, what do you part, do? You know? And it's one of those things where... Uh, one, I'm sure Jesus appreciates those middle parts not being in there because who wants their teen years in a book for everybody to read? You know, yeah, let's, the cut that, let's cut that book. part out, guys. Yeah. Guys, guys, we don't need to tell them about when I had pimples yeah. or when I went on my first date <laughs> first or whatever. Date. You know, like, so, like, that's crazy. Um, and, and so, like, like you got to wonder what, like, a like a Jesus must have thought of. You know, and like, and, and so I'm no theologist, so I don't know at what point Jesus finds out. I like, I know there is a story in there somewhere, I believe, where Jesus finds out he's the Son of God, and what he's gonna have to do. That yeah, that's he's a good gonna... point. Like, what age? You know, like, but did like, he how old? Know and like, the whole time when he was and a do baby. You rebel? <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah. like, he doesn't know when he's a kid. Like, I because I I think they talk about at some point in the Bible, like he's on the steps. Of a temple, because because also you know pointing this out, one of the reasons I love that Sarah Epstein, um, the scientist, is Jewish is because Jesus the was in Jewish. The story. 
Yeah, and this story is Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. Like, yeah. Like straight 100%. up, he, celebra- he, he celebrated Hanukkah. He um, Passover. The whole, well, Pat, was that well, not yet? No, Pat, <laughs> that, that had happened. Passover right. had happened. You know, like oh, I, 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 you know what? Truth be told, I don't know if Hanukkah was a thing yet, but Passover for sure was because that was the that was the, right. the Israelites leaving Egypt right. to get to Israel. That had happened. So that had happened. So like so either way, but you know whatever it is, the history, the way it happens. In chronologically, uh, Jesus was Jewish, right? That's a, that's a fact. So you know, there's a story of Jesus on the on the temple, sitting on the temple steps, speaking with you know elders uh, and, and rabbis, and 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 like schooling them essentially. Yeah, and, yeah, he's like twelve or thirteen or something. This is when he ran away from from Mary and. And, and, right. and Joseph, this is all I'm sure a product of us being like in private school for so long, just knowing all this. But he, well, yeah, he fled away. Well, he he just wandered, I guess, away from his parents, right. and they were frantic and trying to find him. And he's he's teaching elders in the temple. He's teaching them yeah. about mysteries and truths that they didn't know. Yeah, uh, you know. So like, it's it's just one of yeah. those things where. Like, even at a young age, the dude was spiritual, but I believe in that story, he doesn't know that he's the son of God, why he has this understanding, or... or yeah, or and what's wild to me, nobody nobody really talks about that too much in, like, a church setting, or, like, a a Christian setting. Like, that's not a, a commonplace discussion when you bring up this story, or at least it wasn't in my circles, you know, when I was and younger. It's, it's not. Well, and also, like, and I don't know if this is... I, I'm sure it's not like this. I know people... Who who say that their their church or their faiths aren't like this, where you're not supposed to question things? Oh yeah, um, we were not but, supposed to question but, things. But yeah, where I'm from, the, the where I grew up, you weren't supposed to question right. the lesson because like there's so many there's so many whole like it's plot disrespectful holes. yeah right to the yeah. teacher right and I'm like but there's so many plot holes and there's so many questions and like oh yeah what? yeah like whatever so whatever uh, so you know for for him to go through this. It's a very natural thing. So what he does is he he rebels, he shaves his head, he runs away, and he joins a punk rock band. The Flak Jackets. The Flak Jackets, which is a band that, that he had been a fan of. Because um, the other the other thing is that Thomas, Thomas, uh, who is still in the story, of course, protecting, protecting Chris, right. uh, was big into punk rock. And then Gwen got big into punk rock, and then after Gwen's death, Chris gets big into punk rock, and he likes the flak jackets, and and he so he becomes their singer, and then they go on tour. Yeah, it's fantastic. Which is awesome, uh, and then you know, uh, I love his character design at this point too. Like his his studded spiked jacket is completely shaved head, aside from his mohawk, and I'm guessing like dyed black because his. Hair would naturally was naturally supposed to be blonde, but right. Um, and then, uh, and then I'll let you speak to the la- the last, you know, from there because you 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 just finished this, so yeah, totally, yeah, today. To um, and it's a Sunday, go figure. Uh, <laughs> this is our religion, <laughs> punk rock comics. Um, so yeah, I'm just like a totally a small detail that I really love. Uh, basically, picking up on the page you just left off. It's like a, it's a full page where he's he's on stage and he's he's punk rock Jesus at this point. He's he's had the apotheosis of his character and he's developed uh, the WWPRJD. <laughs> what would punk rock Jesus do? I love that element. <laughs> there are a lot of those little things that are like drawn in by Sean Murphy throughout this thing. Um, so now now he's officially punk rock Jesus, 
He's joined the Flak Jackets, and he's on a mission now to to dismantle, um, you know, this this rogue group. I, what's the um, what what is the acronym for this this group that this extremist Christian group? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, is it NIC? I think it's NIC. The the new yeah new something Christians yeah. So you get it. There's this extremist group that uh, is throughout this whole thing. That's just an um, they're they're threshold guardians. They're of this hero story. They're um, uh, they're the the opposing force that Chris encounters throughout this whole thing. So he's on a mission at this point to tour with the Flak Jackets, like Matt said. And and he is, you know, self-proclaimed atheist at this point. He's like, you know what. Um, I'm with Carl Sagan and the boys. I believe in science, um, and, and I'm here to, you know, it's my job to dismantle J2 uh, and Slate and what he's all about. And, I, and I've really got to tear apart, you know, not only the NIC, this extremist group, but like all the, all the religious groups that are warring against each other in the Middle East. Um, you know, in fact, he actually plans um, a concert uh, I believe it's in Israel, right? Like Jerusalem, the holy city. He's planning to have this this concert to um, to prove that that he's he's here. He's not the second coming, right? Uh, which he which he inevitably wants to prove through uh, showing that this shroud that we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast isn't real. Like this is this is a farce. Uh, the shroud, this blood from the shroud that apparently Jesus, the 2,000-year-old Jesus, wore after he was died and wrapped in, that there is blood on and apparently found, um, is, is, this is a fake version of it that Slate is claiming. So he, he's all about, like, no matter what, no matter the cost, he's putting people li- people's life at risk toward the end of this graphic novel uh, by, by having a concert in Jerusalem. And, and, and he's he's very much uh, an extremist in and of himself, which is interesting because he's so against all of the religious extremism, and he's representing the force of I I would say science and logic uh, at the end, and he's representing this, that extremist force, which I'm not sure that he's aware of. You know, he's he's yet another extremist force against everybody else, um, and you get a lot of backstory about the IRA and, and, and Tom, and I don't know if you want to speak to any of that, uh, Thomas and his dad eventually finding out that um, you know, his dad was, was, wasn't officially a part of the IRA. You know, like what kind of a blow is that to your own existence that you see a video? Basically what happened is Thomas is now captured in, his, in recalling in a memory that his dad, he's watching a video that the authorities are showing him like, listen, this is your dad. And his dad is saying, I, you know, I'm, con- I'm, uh, I'm turning all these people in because I want to save my family. And I never really was, by the way, I was never officially a part of the IRA. <laughs> right. So, I mean, at this point, Thomas's entire life has been told this one thing. You're this one thing. You're this one thing. So yeah. just like Chris. like Yeah, you're, just you're, like Chris. You know, it's a parallel story of like... You know, like you're obviously he's not being told he's Jesus, but still, yeah. he's been told that you're one thing, and he was a killing machine, and he and was born to do it. I mean, it, yeah. it's stated over and over again that he he has this talent, he has this gift, he was born to do it, much like Chris, very and much a so, parallel character, like a mirror character. And and so and so then, uh, 
you know, he finds out that all of that has been a lie. And so then, if, you know, he turns on the IRA and he and he becomes a, 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 an agent for for the British. You know. Yeah, kind he comes in guns and blazing on the IRA. People that yeah. had essentially raised him. Yeah. And so you know, and 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 one of the reasons you know, and it's revealed that one of the reasons he wanted to do the J two thing is because he he wanted to make up for his sins. He believed in Jesus. He believed this could be the second coming of Jesus, and he wanted yeah. to protect Chris and to Gwen. make up yeah. and Gwen to make up for everything he had done, and and he had failed Gwen. Yeah, he'd failed Gwen, and he'd he'd seen Gwen as this like Mary figure. Even though at the end we're seeing that she really wasn't, and this was all, you know, a facsimile, a facade of an actual second coming. This is a very marketed uh, thing, like a f- commercial fake thing. We're finding out at the end that Chris is not the second coming, um, uh, and that there there were two babies, actually twins, a male and a female, um, proving that Chris isn't the second coming. Uh, and, and that Gwen wasn't a virginal, you know, Mary character. And it's not even necessarily proving that he wasn't the second coming. Right. But it's but it's but it's saying that like you know there's more to the story and it. Yeah, and that's that's a little bit left up, I think, to uh, a, a bit of a loose end. But yeah. uh, we're closing in on the fact that this was probably fake because of Slate burning down the island and the and the uh, the facility of J two. And where they lived, and where the shroud existed, and all of the proof, and we see him. I think we see him in a panel with like with gas cans, right, burning this down, uh, burning this thing to the ground. Um, but but speaking to Thomas and his redemption in all this, you know, Thomas almost a hero, the hero character in this. Yes. Um, s- seeing Gwen as a, a Mary figure, and even like. I guess I would call it hallucinating or just seeing an image of both Mary and Gwen, very similar style, almost exactly the same, coming to him and saying, you know, first of all, Mary, um, you know, you're forgiven. I've forgiven you. You may go to heaven, but you can't kill another soul or I will send you to hell uh, at the end. And, and so he's, he's caught between this tough position of um, Mary has said, don't kill anybody else. You've been redeemed for all of your sins. But if you kill another person, then I will, I'll make sure you go to hell. Um, and, and Chris now has put him in this position of Thomas has to, you know, grab a gun and defend Chris in the Middle East where this concert is supposed to happen in Jerusalem and open fire on these people who are holding a pistol to Chris's head ready to shoot and just uh, take him out. So... There's this agonizing decision that, that Thomas has to make, you know, go to hell or save Chris. Basically, what Mary had told him earlier on in Visions in his life, don't, don't kill another person, you go to hell. Or Gwen in the same panel saying, save Chris. You know, you promised me that you'd save Chris. Please, I, you know, I'll, if you save Chris, then I'm, you know, you have redeemed my death. So, so he's, he has this super difficult decision to make, which he eventually does, pulls the trigger, and he believes sending him to hell and saving Chris's life. Yeah. And and then, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. And Chris eventually is, is you know, is, is, is going to die uh, in this, you know, what I think is like a beautiful one-pager. 
of this helicopter crash. Um, so, you know, you be- you believe he that Thomas has saved his life. It, right, like he gets away in the, yeah. in the helicopter. Yeah. You think it's going to work out, and then the helicopter starts Yeah, there's going this tragedy, down. yeah, which... And, yeah. And, and then there's this beautiful one-page illustration of... Uh, of him of him dead and then there's a cross of course yeah, in the background a giant yeah. cross in the background um and then yeah it's gorgeous you know, and then you so, so chris has now died um he he's kind of fulfilled the self-fulfilling prophecy of being a jesus figure and dying um, yeah dying at the hand of these these christian extremists back home right right these people who are supposed to He's supposed to save, and he's supposed to... Yeah, which is a total nod to, you know, what... Uh, some believe uh, that the blame is put on, on Jewish people for crucifying the own, the second coming uh, initially, 2,000 years ago. So, so, so essentially, his own people... Well, uh, well I'm going to stop you right there, because that's actually not true. So Yeah, the, please, the, please inform me Romans, on this, because I... Yeah, the Romans. The Romans are the ones that crucified Jesus. The Romans were in charge. They crucified Jesus. Uh, it's so they're, very, they're sort it's of a, a, mis, a misnomer a mis- and a blame. Nomer. Yeah, there's a blame like the, put on the on the the Jewish people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the cru- I mean, and it wasn't just Jesus. I don't know if that's a that Catholic Romans, thing or like what. Like I, I don't, I don't, it's, I don't think it's a Catholic. Is that just thing. like I a Western, like American thing? I, th- I think it is. I think it's just a misconception that the Jews killed Jesus. It's Mel Gibson's fault. <laughs> it's, it's all right. We'll, it's, we'll blame Mel Gibson. He'll take the fall for this. I'm sure. But, but like you know, like I'm not saying that, like that. I, I, I'm not saying I'm an expert in it, but I know that it was the Romans that killed Jesus and crucified Jesus because the Romans, that's what they did. They crucified people. Like, it wasn't like Jesus was the first. Like, Jesus was a, was was in a long line of many people who were crucified by the Romans. Right, um, right. And, and, in fact, it was a Roman soldier who, you know, not, not to get off on too big of a tangent because I do want to get to the end of this book, but... Uh, there's a Roman soldier who stabs the the side of Christ. So whenever you see a crucifix and you see the little line of yeah, red, he's got the spear mark in his side. He's got the spear mark in his side, and that's what really killed him. And it's said that when he was stabbed, uh, water and blood came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, onto the spear. Yeah. And that spear was then endowed by mystical powers because it stabbed Whoa. the side of Christ. Whoa! I had no and idea. So, I never so heard that. You, if you've ever heard the term the spear of destiny, that is the spear of destiny's the origin. The spear of destiny. That yeah, sounds it, like a video game. It was, <laughs> I've never it was, heard that before, but that's really. that's awesome. That's cool. The the spear has a very interesting history in life. Um, it, I mean, it, it, it's said to be, uh, you know, Constantine the Great was said to oh, have right, right. rode into battle with the spear oh, of that's destiny. Badass. And wow. that the spear of destiny made him invincible because it had the power of Christ. That's and so he rode with it into battle. Um, and then it ended up in a museum in Austria. Uh, and in, I think it was Austria? Yes, Austria. I'm pretty sure. It ended up in a museum in Austria. And then uh, it, and it, and it was there for a long time, right? So then what ends up happening is Hitler. Oh, of course. Finds out about the Spear of Destiny, finds where it is, sends of a course. Nazi agent 
to go there before he invades Austria and oh go there God. in civilian clothes, and then and then this soldier knows when the Nazis are going to invade. So when Nazis and the Nazis invade Austria, he changes into his Nazi uniform and guards the Spear of Destiny until Hitler arrives to claim it, to claim his prize. That's amazing! Um, wow. Because one of the one of the true things I had no idea. that. About about Hitler was that he was obsessed with the occult and he was obsessed yeah, with yeah, yeah. these mystical gathering items. these mystical like uh, cultish items. Yeah, uh, obviously so, Indiana Jones, you know, Ark of the Covenant, Covenant and things like that. Yeah, like and so like that. Yeah, he stuff believed is this based stuff, man. He believed these things had power. These totally. Totems and so and, and he has items. this. He has the Spear of Destiny. It ends up getting recovered by the Americans when they bomb. I think it was Berlin. Um, or Nuremberg? I can't remember. But it was underground with a lot of other stolen artwork. They the find Nazis, a spear. Yeah, so the Nazis the Nazis stole artwork from every country they invaded. Um, and they took it back to their capital. And and it was hidden like in these Have these you ever seen massive, Monu- Monument Men? I haven't seen it. I, th- but, I, I don't know about the Spear of Destiny, but they do find several uh, yeah, relic and, sort of and, art and, things. And Monument Men might be based off of this story, but I'm not 100% sure because I haven't seen Monument Men. But the story goes that um, that the the Allied powers capture – the Americans capture a a guy who is running – who is running artillery for the the Germans, for the Nazis. And and then they question him and he's like, listen, I'll tell you whatever you want. I have no love for the Nazis. You know, listen. (laughs) Got no love for those guys. Uh, I'm doing what I have to do, and then in the conversation with the interrogator, uh, who isn't torturing him or anything like that, he's just like, "What do you want to know? I don't know anything. I'm just a guy who drives artillery around." But yeah, I'll tell yeah, you I drive the you I want. drive the truck, man. He tells he tells him about, "Hey, there's this giant art cache, or catch, uh, uh, whatever it's called, a giant art collection, yeah, uh, yeah, underneath the city." And wow. the spear of destiny is in there as well. You know, like it's saying, wow. you know, things that's there. He's like, I know where it is because my mother cleans it. Like she's, <laughs> like that's she, fantastic. The cleaning she, lady. Yeah, she's the cleaning lady. She's the one that goes and she like dusts everything and, and maintains it. And so he describes where, where it is and how to get it. So they do. So while they're bombing the city, they send a group in to go and get this art to make to ensure that the art. Uh, is protected and stays safe, and they do that right. So then they get they get all this art and they get the Spear of Destiny back, right? Well, uh, General Patton finds out about the Spear of Destiny, and while all of the other art is returned to originally where it originally came from, he takes the spear for himself and refuses to give it back to the Austrians. Oh my God, I, I'm writing this down. I gotta look this up later. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is too good. And so. And so he's refusing to give it back, and then he dies in a car crash. Oh, eerie! And then, and then the spear goes back to Austria, where it stays, it goes back. It, where where it still is to this day. Now, in in I think it was in the in the in the nineties, in the mid mid to late nineties or early two thousands, they did carbon testing on the spear to see how old it is. Right. Right. It is. It was made 500 years after Christ's death. 
So it is not the Spear of Destiny. But all these people have. But but it is said that it could be the spear that Constantine used, or or it said that I think sure it's that old at least. It is still the spear that Constantine used, or it could be. I can't remember if it is or could be the spear that Constantine used to go into battle. It is old enough to be that spear, but it is not oh, old enough bummer. to be the spear what a buzz kill. <laughs> that pierced the side of Christ. Oh, man. Isn't that crazy, though? That's insane, yeah. Yeah, yeah. man, I had no idea. That is, And there are all sorts of those relics if you look them up. And... I mean, there's so much fun. There's, like, so much fun yeah. history you and Catholics archaeology are fun, and stuff. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you and your relics. Um, listen, holy grail, man. Holy grail. Holy grail. Um, so, anyways, getting back to the uh, off of that fun tangent, um, you know, we're at the end of Punk Rock Jesus, and like, you know, Chris is dead, and now there's an aftermath. There's like a, a U.S. hearing, yeah, uh, you know, and and Slate essentially gets off easy, gets off, man, and, gets off scot free almost. And I think I think it ends up with uh, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but I think it ends up with uh, Sarah getting the right getting the island the island is hers now and she's re and she gets a settlement like everybody gets a settlement um gets like some money uh and and so she's rebuilding the island to help do what she wants it to do um and and we, we have a, this very important plot point at the end that um which we've been talking about since uh, right. the midpoint here i think that rebecca is uh chris's sister right you know uh genetically biologically a hundred percent yeah that that so it is revealed by sarah telling thomas that um on the night of chris's birth rebecca was also born Mm -hmm. and not only was rebecca also born but um but slate put enough enough poison i want to make sure i get this right he injected her with enough poison essentially to kill two adults a baby right um, and then, uh, and then, not, uh, as if the poison wasn't enough, he then dumped the. He, I, I said before it was a cliff. It wasn't a cliff. It was it was water. He dumps the body of the baby into the water right. so that no one can find it. Right. Uh, it turns out that Sarah had followed him because she didn't trust him, and then she dove in, grabbed the baby, performed CPR like. Thinking that like there's no way this is gonna yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, baby's dead. He injected her like like there's no way like like the baby if if it hasn't drowned it's dead from the poison. Yeah, the injection Yet, that, that he hypodermic needled into uh, her into the baby's yeah. mouth. And then and then but there was like a miracle the baby lived. Yeah. Um and then and then you know this is kind of when you get a realization that like maybe Chris wasn't the yeah, second maybe coming it's her. maybe Rebecca maybe Rebecca it opens is. up that question for sure. And and so then not only that, but Thomas like starts to freak out because he's like, oh my god, he's 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 a monster. He's like, how could he have done yeah. this? And he yeah, yeah. And Thomas is like, you know, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you like? Why right. didn't you bring it? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell the authorities? You could have stopped this madman, you know, for for yeah. years, you know. And so, you know. Uh, and so she, the reason she says that she's telling him now is that, you know, she she doesn't believe in hell. So right, this is right. a, a, a side note is that Jewish people don't believe in a hell. 
uh, hell is a is a construct of Christianity. It, interesting. That is so interesting. Is, I, I you know growing up, I think it's partially the people that it taught me, uh, and just sort of assuming a lot of assuming too, that that Jewish so, people believed in some sort of a hell or afterlife that like a consequence, you know. They believe in an afterlife, but not in hell. They believe in heaven. I don't actually. So, so my wife is Jewish. I don't know enough though about their afterlife. To like, they believe in heaven, but they don't believe in a hell. So I don't know what happens if you don't. Go yeah. To what heaven. if you're Hitler, for for example? Right. I I, I don't know, but you know, like that's Feel a free lack to of comment. my knowledge. But <laughs> yeah, if you know in the, the answer, in the show notes of YouTube or wherever you're listening, if you want to go to YouTube and comment. Um, but so either way, uh, so she says, I don't believe in hell and I want Slate to get justice in this life. I don't want to wait for him to get to the next life and burn. Yeah, she's a scientist, a pragmatist, a logical yeah. person who doesn't believe in those sort of things and spirituality and those kind of consequences. She wants it now. She thinks he needs it now. That's why she's bringing and so it up. Tom, and so Thomas... Thomas goes for him. And it's, oh, and, yeah. And it is an awesome, like, couple pages, like, sequence where Thomas yeah, rides on brutal. his motorcycle. Oh, my goodness. He, he's a total badass. Drives up beside Slate. Rips Slate from his car. Yeah, absurd. While they're driving. Yeah. Drags him on the road, on the asphalt. Aside his motorcycle. Aside the motorcycle, and then drives up to an oncoming eighteen-wheeler and slams Splat. it, <laughs> splat like splatting yeah. him un, like underneath yes. the tires. Yeah, like and Thomas gets his last revenge. panel splat the end. Yeah, it's it's an awesome moment, and it's like the moment you want to see the entire book from all the things that Slate has done. It's just such a cathartic yeah, moment yeah. to be like, he got his in the end. Yeah, that was a brutal ending. Um, it, and and that's the book, yeah. They, man. Even though it's black and white, like it, I know that we at the beginning when we reviewed Apocalyptic Girl, you know, there's a lot of brutal, like bloody scenes in that, like spurting blood, like everything. But but this is gorier to me, even though it's black and white. From the art yeah. style, just the splats and the smears of the brush, you know, this this really is like a, a horrific scene compared to a lot of the. The style that we see in Apocalyptic Girl, comparing it to the first yeah. graphic novel we reviewed in episode one. And and and, and just talking about this, um, you know, this art style is absolutely gorgeous. So that's something that we haven't really touched upon. We kind of, in length, discussed the story, but um, but the art style it's it's black and white. I believe that it's inked by by Sean Murphy as yeah, well. Yeah, that's what I understand so, from the credits called out in the print that I have. See, I read the printed yeah. piece. And, and There was so, a letter, like, but the uh, but as far from that, it says Punk Rock Jesus created by Sean Murphy. So we can assume that he illustrated, inked, everything except yeah. lettering, wrote it. Right, and, and, and so you're really getting a set, like, like Sean Murphy's artwork is very... Uh, it's very specific. It's a very specific style. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's very um, extreme detail. Yeah, he, he, he holds on to a lot of details. Like he, I think, um, just for my own taste, he puts in a little more detail than I need in a lot, in a lot of pages. And it, 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 uh, only one criticism that I have about that is it's, it, it seems to like clutter a bit. Which in it's very dense. it's very yeah image dense and line dense and uh, 
some of the pages, a lot of the pages are like black backgrounds as opposed to like a typical white background, which makes this feel and, very heavy. And, 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 and it's a heavy story, and I think that it really helps inform the story, and I think the art... I yeah, mean, yeah, the otherwise, I, otherwise I would be more this. critical about it, you know, from a stylistic standpoint of like being so dense and so like uh, uh, scratchy, I would say, like in, in the way he uses, he uses the pen. But, but it is a punk yeah. rock story, and it's black and white, and you, that Sharpie feel and that DIY feel. You totally get through the visuals, and I don't think it would work as well if it didn't have that. I, I, yeah, and I, I, it's just one of those stories where like you read this, and you're just like, the entire time you read it, you're just like, this feels punk rock. Yeah, like, it just feels yeah every like step that. of the way. And, it's, and, and I think it's amazing. Now, it's, it's interesting because you know, there is other work that you know, Sean Murphy has done, like... You know, just to list a few of the other things that he has done. I mean, he's done issues of Hellblazer, which is John Constantine. Um, okay. You know, he. Uh, the other thing that I've really read of his is Joe the Barbarian. It was an eight issue limited series, also done by Vertigo, that was written by Grant Morrison. And now that one is in color. Um, right. But the. It's still very much the exact same style. Yeah, like the, the character. Like Joe. Yeah. Joe from Joe the Barbarian looks very similar to Chris from this, uh, but but like I, I would love to actually get you to read that one, and then we could discuss that art versus this art because that's in color. Right. It's not written by him. It's not a punk rock story, but it's that same. Yeah, art I don't know style. how it would so work would, until I read it. Love, yeah, how how successful yeah. it would be because this totally works visually and it's scratchy and punk rock and DIY, uh, and it fits the story so well. Like that's. Otherwise, it wouldn't be my favorite. It wouldn't be my favorite style. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's. It's. It's definitely. It's definitely great. Um, uh, it, it's very. Yeah. But as you're right, it's very scratchy. It's very detail oriented. Um, it's very dense. The images are very dense. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes, a, you know, it doesn't read as as smooth as clearly as other things that I think we've reviewed so far. And episodes one and two, um, but but all of that I think point, points to a stylistic decision that it, in the end is successful and it works. Uh, if it's not your thing to have like um, a lot of words and a lot of lines and a lot of details on one page, then maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's something that you can't really get through. But uh, but I totally had no problem like turning pages and um, yeah, eating it up. So. So I guess let's you know let's, let's rate let's this not thing. I guess words. let's let's rate it. Uh, t- for me, um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the the art and color. You know because it's it's in yeah the we're ink, we're going by the four color ink. system the traditional four, four colors color of, of comic books, which I believe is is that um, C M Y K is that like basically the same thing? I think so. I'd have to look that up because like obviously they don't stick to. Like right, originally, yeah. comic books were only four colors, yeah. um, and you would combine colors to make right, four right, colors. Right, right, exactly. But, but besides but, uh, the point, four color rating but, system. But our four color rating system um, is how we're going to rate each rate piece, all of yeah. these things. Uh, for art and for color, I'm going to give this four each. Wow. Okay. Okay. You really for, like it. For for story, I'm only going to give it three point oh, three. Oh wow. And the reason it docks story for me is that because I, I feel like it gets rushed um, towards the 75% middle. Seventy-five percent you're giving it on story. 
I'm giving it a seven. Now, I love the story. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the story, but I do want to be critical about certain things, and I don't want to just give everything a four. Right, so, yeah. Uh, uh, so the the reason that I, I say that is because even when I was reading these, I was reading these month to month when they came out. Yeah. Um, in, starting in July of 2012 uh, is when the, the first issue came out. Um, and And I was very excited for each new issue, each new issue. And even still... When I got to the end, I felt like it was very rushed towards the middle and end. Um, and of course it has to be. It's a six-issue limited series. But I, I think there, you know, there might have been uh, a, a little room uh, where you could have expanded on certain right. things, cut out a couple things. Yeah, you totally could have to cut really out give it room to a lot of the fat, I think, of the story. But, but you know, but that being said, I still love this story. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete it's just, piece, and it totally works. It's, it's successful. Uh, you know, if somebody completes something, it's and it's successful, and it's a holistic story. Like I'm never gonna criticize you too much. Like that, you did you did a thing. You did it, and it's great, and it works, and it tells a story, and it's cathartic, and the characters developed. Like, good job. <laughs> right. Like and the, and the, and like and of course, you know, as as. Uh, I said when we were reviewing some Jingle Bell stuff, and we talked about, I believe it was called Blue Bells. Like, there are definitely some things that I absolutely hate, and that I will give zero across right. the board. Um, but but I, I do want to be critical as we're reviewing these things, just because. Yeah, that's um, what we're doing. That's we're the reviewing. point. Of, that's the whole point of this is that we're 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 looking at this stuff critically. So you know, so for me, it's four for the art and coloring. Which in in this term in this uh, in this group of comics right. it's 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 black and white but it's the ink yeah yeah which I think is a deliberate right. choice oh yeah um and and so I'm gonna give that a four and then the art I'm giving a four but story I'm only gonna give a three how about you what are your ratings? okay um so I'm gonna start with uh, art and color as you did the same we're just gonna group them together because it, it is a stylistic decision to go with black and white and. Um, I, I agree so much with that decision. That's why I'm going to give it, uh, I think, a pretty high rating just from my own personal taste, which is a three out of four. So I'm giving, I'm giving okay. it a pretty high rating because that decision paid off and like it made so much sense. So what docks it for you? What, what docks that last, that last point for you? I think that uh, like a sequential art style and, and the density of words and visual information on the page could have been cut a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that is that's a that's a style part of the style choice of being like this punk rock, uh, black and white gritty thing, but a, but a lot of it, um, you know, even even though it wasn't that style, a fair amount of it was hard to read. Um, some of the pages were a little hard to decide how I should flow down and what I should look at first, um, and and that's that's what docks it as well as some of the character design just isn't really a, my own personal style. Um, preference, okay. uh, uh, like for instance, the like the faces that were drawn. There's there's a lot of like scratch marks on a lot of the characters' faces, um, especially slates. Yeah, especially slates. So it's it's sort of a like a disfiguring to the character, which is a total style choice, which worked. Which is why I give it a three out of four for both color and and uh, art illustrative style. Uh, it works, but just not my just not my preference. And for story, I'm gonna give it. Um, I'm gonna give it a three. Um, I'm I'm with you. The, I mean, the, there are a lot of things that probably um, weren't as necessary as others to put in. 
Uh, I think that I give it such a, what I think is like almost 100%, three out of four, is because the nuance of the idea. Like he totally had an idea that was very new and interesting, and he finished it. He completed a whole graphic novel about it, and we, we traveled with him through this story arc. And, and at the end, you know, it did some very important things that stories need to do. It, it made us question about our own lives. And that, and that to me, is worth a three out of four. Um, even though there were some, some issues, I think, and um, some, some story develop, some character development that could, could be potentially cut out. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, so, so you were saying that you read the afterwards. So what did, what did in the afterwards? Yeah, let me flip to it. Well, yeah, let me flip to you it. Know, what what was uh, Sean Murphy talking about in the? So what I have, what I'm reading from is is the collection of all the issues in the graphic novel, the print. Um, so after the very last graphic page of Thomas, um, the the end page, uh, the the splat page where he he throws uh, slate underneath the eighteen wheeler, we have the the afterward uh, by Sean Murphy himself, and he. At the very beginning, it says, I stopped praying in 2003. I was living with a friend in Colorado who loved to surf. And he goes through this story uh, that he describes that he went to California to surf with a friend, a person he lived with uh, in Colorado who was an atheist. So this atheist friend started to describe to him his, his ideas and his worldviews and sort of uh, things that he leans on that aren't religion. Um, so Sean, this... He, he describes while he's writing Punk Rock Jesus or starting to uh, mull around with this idea in his head while he's living with his friend in Colorado, uh, he, he starts to question his, his own faith. Uh, and he tells the story of when they go surfing in California that he gets sucked in by the undertow. And, and, um, and he's very scared, and, he, and his first thought and inclination is to start praying. Uh, but previously... He, knowing his roommate is atheist, wanted to try it out for, for a while. So he, he takes a while off praying and tries out atheism, which is interesting, kind of like a diet. Um, so during this, he, he's surfing. He gets caught in through the undertow in California, surfing with his, with his friend, um, and says, wait, I made this promise. I don't know why he, why he thinks to do this like while he's potentially drowning. But he thinks, no, I promised myself I wouldn't pray for... Uh, period of time because I'm trying out being an atheist so don't pray so so he changed his mind from I need to stop praying to God while I'm in this situation of crisis and I need to get myself out of it so he's uh, he's tossed under the undertow and he's twirling around underneath water and he can't figure out which which way the surface is up down sideways whatever so he has stopped praying now he's thinking in in his words you know, like more logically that his surfboard is still tied to his ankle. So he's reaching around trying to find the line because the surfboard it has made its way up to the surface. So he's, he's finding his way and, and fingering the, the rope and grabbing it and sort of make, getting a handle on it to pull himself back up. So w when he's done this and afterward, um, he describes that if I had kept praying, in his own words here, uh, in the afterward, if I kept praying, then I wouldn't have thought to look for the rope to pull myself back up. So he's basically proclaiming that uh, prayer would have, would have been um, you know, opposite of what he needs to do in this situation to save himself. 
uh, and he points it out that that logic and that that um, uh, thought pattern to get himself out of the situation through his own willpower was more important than praying in that situation. So that's just, uh, and he puts a bow on it here that um, um, you know he's, he he embraced more the atheism at this point, and he wrote that he began rewriting punk rock Jesus into the story, the complete story that it is today. That's interesting. And and so and that's also an interesting thing to bring up too is that um like and I would agree with that that sometimes religion is used as a crutch to not do anything yeah. um cuz you're you're waiting for some mystical force to to uh yeah, to, thoughts and prayers, right? If you know, any crisis happens, you hear it right. 50 times. Send send your thoughts and prayers Yeah, like thoughts that. and prayers. And, yeah. And to me I think I think that's also against I think that's against some of the main morals and ideas of of Christianity in general because like there's there, well there's this there's this joke that's said and I think that really illustrates the point well that's like you know a guy a guy's in a boat right and the boat is sinking and and he's praying to God he's like God please help me God please save me uh, and a guy comes by and says, "Oh, hey, do you need do you need help?" He's like, "No, no, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and and God is gonna save me. God is gonna help me." Guy's like, "All right." Guy leaves. Boat's still sinking. He's praying, "Please, God, please help me, help me." Another an, another guy comes by uh, and says, "Hey, do you, do you need some help? I can I can help you." And he's like, "No, no, I'm I'm a Christian, and God will help me. God's gonna come and, and save me." Uh, so. Guy's like, all right, if you're sure, he leaves. All right. <laughs> uh, third, third person comes by and says, "Do you need some help?" And he says the same thing. He's like, "No, God is going. I'm a Christian, and God is going to help me." Uh, right. Then, then the man drowns. So the yeah, the man man goes to you know is in heaven. He he was yeah. a good Christian. He goes to heaven, and he goes right up to God and says, "God, why didn't you save me?" And God looks at him and says, "What are you talking about? I sent three boats. I sent three." Three people. Yeah, dumbass. I sent three <laughs> boats to help you. Like I think, and I think like that illustrates what, like you know, if yeah, you, you're given the brain to get yourself out of right situations. Like, and if and if and if God, like God, doesn't when we pray to God, we're not supposed to be asking for stuff. That's another thing that I that, that they taught me when I was in yeah, same here in yeah. Catholic school. Private is that, school. Like, is that like God's not there to give us stuff. God is there to listen when we need help i mean yeah you gotta lean in brother essentially god to me sounds like a psychiatrist that's way cheaper (laughs) you know that like he basically yeah but like but like god doesn't do anything for us beside like in my understanding god god doesn't do anything for us really uh besides give us give us life and and give us the world that we live in and that's how I understand it. Now, you know, I know there are miracles, and I know you can say things are miracles. Um, you know, I certainly think that there's a lot of things that happen in the world that are amazing and, and magical and mystical and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. And Spiritual. If you, and, and if you want to call those miracles from God or from whoever uh, you believe yeah, in, yeah. like that's totally yeah. fine. But I think at the same time, I think, I think that as as intelligent human beings we are given the 
The, yeah, you're given the faculties to, you need, right? Right. To do something about it, to 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 get yourself out of a situation. You know what I mean? Waiting for yeah. someone to yeah. save you is not the world we live in. Um, you yeah. need to yeah, save well, it's, yourself. Yeah, it's almost like what'd you expect? Right. <laughs> what'd you expect? Yeah, it's like yeah, and, and that's definitely what Sean's pointing at here. Um, yeah, that he ch- that he changed. He actually changed in the story G- the Jesus clone, Chris, from Christian to atheist. Right. Uh, you know, after you know, claim, citing these these experiences while surfing, and I and think, his atheist roommate. And I think you know that you know that that brings up an interesting thing too is that these stories are written by. I mean, this proves more than anything else that these are written by real people who who are writing from their own experiences and writing from their yeah, own knowledge yeah. and like. And that's super important. Yeah, and, write what you, write what you know. A lot of people say. Yeah, and and. You know, and obviously you don't need to know about spaceships or whatever or, or about dragons or whatever to write, but, like, you can write the emotions that you know. Yeah, you if can, somebody broke your heart, make that into the spaceship story. You know, like, make your right, heart break you can, into the spaceship story. You can use that stuff. Like, use what you got to make your stories better. Um, and I think this is a perfect example of, like, a story that changes because of his experiences changing while he's writing it. You know, another example of that is uh, is Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Um, that story gets, right. uh, or I'm sorry, it's there's The Dark Knight Returns, and then The Dark Knight Strikes Back. It's the second one in his in like like there's his first one, which is I think it's called The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, it's The Dark Knight Returns. Then the second one is The Dark Knight Strikes Back. I might, I don't think I'm I love that style, by the way. Uh, yeah. Either way. Um, so so Frank Miller, it was made in like 2004, and he was writing it, and then halfway through writing it, 9-11 happened. I'm sorry, so it was written in 2000, 2001 is when he was writing it. So halfway through him writing it, wow. yeah. uh, 9-11 happens. And yeah, change, it changes paradigms and indefinitely. Completely changed what he was writing, and like so that story, like, and it does have an effect on the story. Like like as I said, this story seems rushed. And, and I can understand why if you're changing the idea of the story halfway through you writing it, that's going to cha- that, that, that's gonna give that feeling. You know, like, like the, yeah. um, the Dark Knight Strikes Back does have that feeling of, 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 of weird and kind of you jumbled. You can sense the change. You know, and it's, and it's very profound, especially when you have people who are both writing and doing the art. Frank Miller yeah. also did both. He wrote and did the art. Uh, it's Sean so much Murphy. an expression of, the, of that person. Right, and I think, and I think there was something to be said, like you know, that whether good, whether bad, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great and amazing, and I think that a lot of these kind of pieces like this are slices of people's hearts, are slices of people's yeah. souls. And yeah, it's windows into their into their life and their experience. And uh, I've often heard that you know, personal experience actually isn't the best teacher. It's other people's experience that you can sort of have a cathartic uh, understanding about. Without having to live that that life, so we can we can draw from punk rock Jesus, Sean Murphy's account of it, like his clearly his own inner turmoil with with religion, uh, and we can we can learn from it and ha- and have these novelty ideas of like yeah what if Christ came back and he was a uh, totally different from what we expected or, you know or what we want him to be you know what I mean yeah it's this like- figure this Messiah that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, what would that look like? Yeah, and it's a very, very good telling of that story. And I think, you know, and, and I think it's, I just love it. 
I think it's great. I, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm totally glad you turned me on to it. Uh, yeah. Even like two years ago when I first bought it from uh, <laughs> Barnes & Noble, I think, and then eventually got around to finishing it today. So, yeah, I, I recommend it. Um, yeah, this is definitely go pick it up. So, uh, I mean, I think, that's, I think that's all that can be really said for this. Uh, I think we've done it justice, you know, for, with our, you know, right now we're running at uh, over an hour and a half. So I think that's, I think that's doing it some pretty good justice. Way to go, Punk Rock Jesus. Punk Rock Jesus. Punk Rock Jesus. Pray to the Punk Rock Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad that this is, idea is in, my, <laughs> is in my life now. Punk Rock Jesus. <laughs> What That's a lovely image. W- what would life w- be like without it? P R J D. R-J-D. That is what really would Punk Rock long. Jesus do? That's really long. Yeah, folks, I want you to think about that tomorrow as you go to work. Or if you're at work, <laughs> if you're driving or whatever. Just think what about would it. Punk Rock Jesus Don't wait do? till tomorrow. Think about it today. Think about it right now. Carpe diem. <laughs> Seize the day, guys. All right. This, All right. this has been Not So Super Podcast. Well, let's, um, uh, let's... One thing I want to mention before we go yeah. is that we are supported by Amazon. We get a little bit of your purchase if you go through our Amazon portal. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTubes, down in the show notes, you can find the links to Punk Rock Jesus where you could buy it. Or you can just go through the portal and uh, anything you're going to buy on Amazon anyway, uh, we get a cut so we can keep making this podcast. And, uh, and the other thing to mention is... Uh, please rate us on iTunes. Yes. Um, rate us on YouTube. Give us likes. Subscribe. Um, Good or bad, whatever, whatever you feel, whatever you think we we deserve. Yeah, and if you can, and if you can email us uh, or if you can comment on on one of those platforms, maybe we'll read it. Uh, depends on how offensive it is. Um, <laughs> but maybe the more offensive. No, yeah. The, the, li- the more likely no, we'll read it. The I don't less know. likely I'll read it. Most <laughs> likely, depending. You know, the better it is the more likely you have a chance of us reading it. Maybe you don't want us to read it, and that's fine too. Um, but our email address is Brennan. Just know that we can uh, we can interact with you guys. And if you have any suggestions, like definitely let us know. And we'll, we would actually like to work that in as a segment, like uh, maybe every third or fourth, fifth, whatever, we do suggestions. So yeah. throw us throw us some suggestions. What were you getting at? Like my email? Yeah. Well, Brandon, what's the email for the for the podcast? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The so folks, it's drive midnight at gmail dot com. Uh, exactly the way it sounds is how it's spelled. Great. And then uh, and then you know that's so punk rock Jesus was this week's comic. Uh, I picked this one. So Brennan, what is the next comic we're gonna read? The next one we're going to read is IRL in real life because it is a uh, small enough uh, graphic novel I believe you can read by the next podcast. And then, um, yeah, something something by Craig Thompson after that, which is a little bit longer. So we'll keep that a mystery which one for now. But uh, It's Habibi. Yeah. We've talked about another one. It's going to be Habibi. Start All right, it's Habibi, pick guys. It up, pick it up and start reading it Start now reading it for the love of God. Because um, it's long. Yeah, it's a long haul. Um, 700 pages, maybe? Anyways, next <laughs> one we're going to do is IRL, which is not 700 pages. It's in real life. I don't know the author's name right now, but we can put it in the show notes. Great. Cool. Off the top of my head, I don't know. So then, uh, so next next episode, it'll be in real life, and then after that, it'll be Habibi. Uh, so pick those guys up and... Get reading. Uh, Read along. Yeah. Do you, do you got any, any final thoughts, Brennan? 
Punk Rock Jesus, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Sean Murphy brought this vision to us. <laughs> what would life be like without Punk Rock Jesus? Uh, I'm also glad that you suggested it. Um, give it a read, guys. All right, great. And uh, go out there and, um, you know, drive fast and live dangerously. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Cut that out. We're going to cut all that <laughs> let me, let me Let me play that back. Uh, uh, one, right. Once more. Um, yeah, punk rock. Jesus. <laughs> all of that is staying in now. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, all right. <clears throat> what? All right, what was the question? The question. Do you have any last thoughts? <laughs> do you have any last thoughts? I'm leaving this all in because it's amazing. No, don't, don't do it. Uh, yep. Uh, eat, eat lots of vegetables. I don't know. Play this out, Matt. All right. Uh, Good Lord, you better cut that. (laughs) For NASA Super Podcast. It's almost two hours. I've been Matt Curley, joined by my co-host. Brennan Kahn. Stay not super, everybody. Have a good night. Bye.